Hey, friends. Thanks for listening to the Axiom podcast. Uh, we're a community centered around experiencing Jesus together and practicing his ways as a community. Uh, we like to say in Peoria as it is in heaven. Um, so this podcast is just space for discussion and exploring um, ideas and principles of the kingdom and also where we post uh, our sermons from Sunday gatherings. So um, please engage us online and uh, hope you enjoy this episode. We are in Trinity Sunday. Micah already talked about this for a moment, but we follow parts of the church calendar because we recognize that there's a need in the West to reground ourselves, to not just be spacious, but to be grounded. And we, in the church, organized its calendar around the biggest truths about who God was. And that was their way of bringing their community back into that grounding space on a regular rhythm. It wasn't just a when the pastor felt like it kind of moment. It was a no, we, all of us together are going to come back into this. And so last week, we, we were in Pentecost, and we talked about tongues of fire. And we talked about the Spirit of God being poured out. But this, what was unique was that the Spirit of God was poured out on a, on not on a, on, a, on a place in particular, but a people. That he moved his, his, his righteousness and his holiness from this sacred temple where nobody could touch it. And he made it available to all of us. And, and that's, 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 yes, that's power. But more than that, that speaks to God's desire to be in relationship with us. And so it makes sense to me that following uh, a Pentecost Sunday in the church calendar would be Trinity Sunday because that piece of relationship gets picked up. That's why Paul talks about the Trinity like a kiss. And that's why uh, the Old Testament forludes to it was the Song of Solomons. And, 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 and there's this intimacy component to it. That's why the gospel is referred to between a husband and a wife, that there's a relational spirituality happening at the very foundation of what Christianity is. Christianity is not a law. It is a relationship. Amen. Now, the law makes room for that relationship to flourish. But the thing that it serves is the relationship itself. And that is significant. And we need to understand that this Trinitarian reality, because here's the honest truth, too. Uh, I grew up in a mostly evangelical setting. I'm still, in, in a lot of ways, part of an evangelical setting. Um, but we didn't talk well or much about the Trinity. And, and, and I don't know why that is. Maybe just because it was confusing or, or hard to understand. I asked all my kids uh, this morning what, what, what they thought the Trinity was. Uh, Emerson did pretty good. The other two were struggling a little bit. And, and I get it. There's a dynamic there at play that is hard to kind of understand. And we tend to want to root Trinitarian theology in some kind of like script or formula or something like that. And my hope today is to help bring that to the ground level and say, again, this is a relational dynamic that without the Trinity, we don't get to experience the fullness of God. That Jesus without the Spirit isn't a lot of fun. And the Spirit without Jesus isn't a lot of fun. Or without God, they go together. In fact, if you've noticed when you're reading the scriptures, when, when Jesus is chatting, he loves to chat about the Holy Spirit. And when Jesus is talking, he loves to say, hey, look, look to the Father. He loves to do that. And when the Father speaks, the few times he does in the New Testament, what does he do? He says, this is my son. Right? 
And so, so there's this relational dynamic where they're, they're pointing to one another. And, and so wherever you're at on this, if, you know, and, and maybe you could think about that in terms of, like, I most relate with Jesus. Um, or maybe you say, no, I most relate with the Holy Spirit. Or I most relate with God the Father. And I would just say that whatever part of God that you are relating with, um, if, you're, if, if you're really relating with that part of God well, that part of God in you will begin to point to the fullness of God. And, and that's because God desires relationship. And in, in, in Christianity, at its core, is a relational spirituality, which is why John can say God is love, by the way. That's why he can say that. And so I'm getting ahead of myself, but last week we talked about holiness because we needed to wrestle with this issue that before Pentecost there was this separation set apart between God and the people because of sin and all that was going on there. But on Pentecost, God is, not, no, is no longer separate, but he's poured out on the people. And then the people of God are poured out into the streets and we see other people come to know Jesus. And so there's this like this breaking of the secular and sacred that happens, but it's not the erosion of the sacred. It's the erosion of the secular that begins to take place. That, that the sacredness of God and the power of the Spirit is poured out and the influence of the people is not me, it's Jesus in me amongst others. And we know that's true because every time we try to get real macho with our friends and get all heady and talk to them about theology and why they're wrong, we miss, we miss the beat. We miss the beat. But when we're moved by God's spirit to appropriately love and appropriately invite people into this new relational dynamic that we call the kingdom of God, something else happens. People perk up a little bit and they go, okay, there's something here that makes sense to me. And so, so Trinity Sunday is, a, is an acquaintance, is become, getting acquainted with the whole picture of God and moving from still, yes, the sacred component from a place to a people, but now that the people are with God, no longer separate. The Trinity helps us understand who God is, and it helps us understand the relational nature of God three in one. And it's for this reason that it also helps us understand who God is in the midst of the culture that we are in. And I say that because that's a key piece of why Trinity Sunday is established on the heels of being poured out on the streets. Okay, and so just give me a second here because I want us to understand this shift that um, God gives us the power to be not just reunited with him, but to unite others to one another and him. But we are at risk of becoming like others instead of becoming like God in that dynamic. And we know this to be true because we are by nature, that doesn't make it healthy or by design necessarily, but in our fallen nature, we are socially susceptible to others, aren't we? That's why they call it influencers, by the way, because they like have influence. Because we are prone to be curated by community. And often, if we're true with ourselves, if we're honest with ourselves, our best self-concepts are crowdfunded. They're crowd-initiated. They're crowd-created. 
and crowd-conditioned. The irony there, of course, is that we are radically individualistic and afraid of losing our autonomy, and yet we find our self-worth horizontally. But in God's image, in a triune relationship, our self-worth in our image, as image bearers, is found not in relationship with the crowd, but it's in relationship with Him. Now, that, again, in our nature, in, like, of course, there's a crowd component. And that's by design, too, because God desires for us, again, to influence our communities and our spaces. But we can only do that as far as we are rooted in Him. And, and this is, by the way, the cross that we pick up. It's the point of our self-image that bends towards others instead of towards God. That's where you pick up your cross every single day. Every day. That's the pick up your cross point. Is where am I bending towards the crowd versus towards Christ? And you pick up that cross... And again, incrementally as we do that, we, we are formed into the likeness and image of Jesus. And we are set free from all sorts of things. And if, if, if we are self-aware enough, and, and, and healthy community will help you with that if you're failing, um, then, then, we will, then we will find ourselves dissatisfied with the dysfunction that's real in me. And we'll increasingly be more concerned with the dysfunction in me than the dysfunction in you. Because we just realize that I pick up my cross, I don't pick up his cross. And, and, and Jesus needs to do that work in him. And Jesus definitely needs to do the work in him. But he needs to do it in you first. So... Pentecost and Trinity Sunday is about setting things right in the world. And as we conform to Christ and our relationship with the fullness of the Trinity, we are able to be in the world with others while still being not out of the world. And that's the language, again, that Paul uses of the holy kiss. And I'm going to get into that a little bit because nobody ever does, and I, and I think it would be fun to do that. Paul sums up his entire letter with the image of a holy kiss. He spends all of 2 Corinthians chapters 1 through 13 talking about what it means to be in Christian community, what it means to look like a follower of Jesus, and then he sums it up by saying it's like a holy kiss. And we, we miss this, that again, that there's a relational peace on display here. But it's not just a kiss, because that was custom, right? Culturally, it was custom to greet another person with a kiss, but when we greet each other, it's a holy kiss. And, and there's a, there is still a set-apart component here. There is still a peculiar, a particular. There's still a, there's something about the way we engage one another in intimacy together that is dynamically tied to who we are in Christ. That's why communion is a common union. And the Trinity is three in one. 2 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 11. Finally, brothers and sisters, rejoice. Strive for full restoration. And just, 
just, guys, striving is all you can do there. The, the restoration is what God does, okay? But we strive for full restoration, and we encourage one another, and, and we, we are to be of one mind and to live in peace, and then the God of love and peace will be with you. Now, that on itself is a great image. It's a great picture. It's a great invitation for us as followers of Jesus, but it doesn't end there. Greet one another with a holy kiss. All God's people here, send their greetings. May the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. So three components, the grace of Jesus, the love of God, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit with us. The grace of Jesus, the love of God, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit are the distinct qualities of the people of God compared to the people not of God. The kiss that's holy is the kiss that comes with the grace of Jesus, the love of God, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit. And we would be wise to spend days and nights meditating on the meaning of this and the significance of these attributes of God that get on display in our people and they get so on display that they end up being intimately connected between one another. It's not that we have to go around kissing each other. I wish it was. Wouldn't that be great? Wouldn't you just love to get a smooch from every person in the room right now? That's, that's, that's the metaphor. But what we do want to experience from one another is something that is quite holy because it's from God. And it's so intimate and so close it can be described like a kiss. That we would experience that kind of fellowship, that kind of grace in each other, that kind of love amongst one another. And as we do that, and as far as we do that, we put not just Jesus on display, but God the Father and the Holy Spirit also. And that's a beautiful thing. The fullness of God is never best described in one word or one act or one sermon or one Bible study or one reading from Paul. Sometimes it's in a kiss. Because the things of God are so big and so breathtaking that language is never enough that's why we have parts of what we do here that aren't just learning or listening but they're being and doing they're they're sitting in they're they're ruminating we we try to create spaces for quiet here we point you into community groups where things are uncomfortable we point you into acts of service and love for neighbors. We point us into all these other categories that we'll never get fully on a Sunday. Sunday we'll get a taste. We'll get a sampler. We'll get an appetizer. But we want the whole thing. And we're called in that kind of accountability to each other to point us into the fullness of the kingdom and full maturity in Jesus Christ. So it's not the kiss that matters. It's the holiness of God that matters. 
and the, which comes with the respect for the fullness of God. It's not the pick and choose. I love grace, but not, I don't like hanging out with other people. And you know, and when Paul said that anyways, like the, the, the grace of the Lord Jesus, which he's been hammering all of 2 Corinthians and 1 Corinthians, by the way, he's not just talking about the work of grace uh, from Jesus to you. He's talking about the work of grace from you to others. That's why he points to the church of uh, Macedonia. Just look, look at how they made way for everyone. Look at what they did. So, so let's just look at this real quickly. The, these three things, the grace of Jesus in undeserved mercy, God reaches down generously through Jesus to reclaim us. In Jesus, grace becomes human in order for God to give himself to the world to do on our behalf what we cannot do ourselves. So Paul prays that the grace of God, the same grace that saved us, would be present and alive and active in the world through the church but it wouldn't be yours, it would be his grace at work in you with others. And then the love of God that he prays for, what the Jews had hoped for and what the Christians announced and proclaimed, that God so loved the world that he gave his most precious son to it. And by acting in the world in detriment to, his, to, to himself, he made it possible for us to be in relationship again with him. That's why we can say God is love. And Paul can summarize the, the Trinity in this way. And then, not just the grace of Jesus and the love of God, but the fellowship of the Holy Spirit with God and with each other. We are a family for the first time, not based on ethnicity, skin, color, gender, nation, or where we live. We are a family based on the fellowship of the Spirit, the love of God, and the grace of Jesus Christ. And now, finally, we may have peace with one another. We can now take communion together. And that table of communion, by the way, isn't just for followers of Jesus. Let's get that set right. Jesus welcomed Judas to that table. And he spent his entire life inviting others that didn't have a taste of it to come have a taste. Taste and see. Because if it's just for us, then we have this weird idea in our head that we're somehow worthy. And what Paul's really saying is nobody's worthy. Because it's the grace of Jesus, the love of God, and the fellowship of the Spirit. I want to invite us to enter into communion now as we do every week here. And as we do this, might we know that we are participating in this very thing, the Trinity, the relational dynamic of God is at play in each of us. And as we take the bread, which represents the very real body of Jesus, and the blood, which represents his, his breaking of his body and the shedding of his blood for our sins and for the world, we are, we, are, we are consuming something that we ourselves couldn't do. And we're taking it in. And as we take that in, might we just not just be reminded, but might we be remembered as the body, put back together. <laughs>